Welcome to Locked on Heat. Today's show is a recorded version of the live show that we did on Facebook Live Tuesday night. We're breaking this up into two parts. This is part one, where we talk about Miami's Game 5 loss to the Sixers and if Dwayne Wade is going to retire this summer. And then we start having the conversation about what comes next for Pat Riley as he builds this team. If you don't know us already, my name is Wes Goldberg. I'll be joined by my co-host David Ramil here in a little bit. We're a pair of credentialed writers who write about the NBA and the Miami Heat. And this is our daily podcast called Locked on Heat, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to a live edition of Locked on Heat, where we are ramping up not only Game 5, but also, unfortunately, the Miami Heat season. We'll talk about what that first-round playoff exit means for the future of the team and take some of your questions later on. But let's talk about this game first, David, which, like every game in this series, was close through the first half and ended with the Sixers pulling away. Yeah, uh, first half looked particularly good for Miami. They seemed really engaged, playing at a high level, same kind of level of emotionality that we've seen from throughout the series. But then, unfortunately, that third quarter made all the difference. They were outscored by 14 points, wound up losing by 13. So clearly the third quarter was the the separation for Philadelphia they needed. Uh, They started knocking down shots. Miami just couldn't handle any kind of response. Uh, And and they just stopped being able to either score and or defend at a high level, completely falling apart in that third quarter, kind of demoralizing, and uh, and just simply let the season ebb away. Yeah, the... the the Sixers did what good teams do, right? They executed their game plan, but they also just allowed their talent to let them pull away. And I've made this comparison to the Big Three Heat before, and, and it just that's it just felt like that's what the Big Three Heat used to do all the time. Is yeah, it might be close through two or three quarters, or maybe even three and a half quarters, but eventually they just kept executing the game plan. Eventually, their shots would just start falling, and talent would sort of just take over. And that's really been the story of this entire series. Um, a little disheartening how it just sort of went away. Miami looked tired. They just, like, after 86 games of just working so hard for each and every basket and playing so hard on defense and, and really getting the most out of this roster is that they could, they looked, I mean, they didn't look like they were a team with their back against the wall. They just, it, they, it didn't seem like they had their legs under them. They just seemed tired. I mean, take Josh Richardson's injury and Tyler Johnson's injury and, uh, and just and and Dwayne Wade's general age and the fact that he was Miami's most consistent um, form of offense this whole series. I just they just look tired. I don't know how else to say it. And, and Philadelphia looks like they've got a, at least another around, round in them to go. You know, I don't even if Miami were somehow go past this series, I they just they're not they're not built for a sustained playoff run. The Sixers seem to be just that. Yeah, we talked about this in our preview. You know that. Uh... Miami plays with such emotionality that you wonder whether or not they might be burning themselves out, and that's why Philadelphia has found a way to pull away either in the third or fourth quarter, always in the second half. Uh, whether they're in Philadelphia or at Miami, the 76ers just always seem to have a response that Miami was never quite capable of, and, and that was clearly evident in, in Game 5 today. Uh, you know, Tired is one way of looking at it, just kind of emotionally disconnected from the moment they were kind of like witnesses to their own funeral watching this through dis, you know dis, distant eyes there as, as Philadelphia just come, coming back and back and back and, and, and they just couldn't seem to muster any kind of response now they did eventually go on a minor run uh, where they were I think they closed the gap to 8 I think that was as close as it ever did get but 
the reality was. But even by then, it just really felt like there was no chance for this team. Yeah, I just, they did have that run at the end. You and I were texting in the middle of that about how we knew that that run was coming. They cut it, they, they cut it to eight with less than six minutes to go. The refs call a tech on James Johnson, who got hooked by Marco Bellinelli, and somehow it was James Johnson's fault. Uh, that helped Philly maintain their lead, and, and that was about as close as Miami got. But um, I, I, I kind of, I, I tweeted at the start of the game, and and we'll move on past the game in a little bit because I don't know how if if it's even necessarily important at this point, but. Whichever team started hitting their threes was going to win that game. Miami in that first half was 5 of 18 from three-point range. Philadelphia was 2 of 12, and the, and the halftime score was tied at 46. Yeah. Everything else was about even as well. I mean, free throws were about even, turnovers, uh, rebounding, field goal percentage. They were both shooting about 32% in the first half. Um, everything was basically even, and it was just a matter of time before one of these teams started hitting their threes, and that was that was Philadelphia almost immediately. They started that third quarter on a 15-2 to two run. Um, Wade checked in with about six minutes left. That's after the Sixers had already opened up a 12-point lead. And Wade sort of had that presence of being able to control things um, and just bring a kind of mature presence, an adult on the court, so to speak. And that sort of helped Miami in the second half. Uh, but that's about it. Let's talk about Dwayne Wade a little bit. Let's move. I'm done. With, is there anything else that you want to talk about from this game before we move on? No, I guess, you know... Kind of a, a larger issue is whether or not I was just thinking about this. Whether or not Miami is actually good enough to have to make Philadelphia look as good as they've been. Like I, I know that Philadelphia was better than I expected. I, I really thought that this series would go seven games, and I thought they'd be able to present more of a challenge for the 76ers. But I'm curious as to whether or not you think. I mean, Philadelphia certainly looks good, but is that more reflective of them being good or Miami simply not being bad? I think you know it's a. I think it's a result of Philadelphia being good. They look good. I mean, they do. I mean, Ben Simmons is just—he's doing things on the court that guys on Miami couldn't do, and and maybe that's—it's kind of answering. I'm kind of answering both ways to your question, right? Because comparatively, yeah. they just look way more talented than Miami. So they'll uh, face Boston in the next round. But they're also more talented than Boston right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because Boston's injured. And and Boston having beaten the Bucks, so they're up 3-2. So we're assuming the Celtics move on. Um, but that series could go 7. Who knows? Either way, they're more talented than the Bucks or, or the Celtics. Uh, That's fair. From top to bottom, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that the I think Philadelphia has as good a chance as anybody that's coming out of the East. I just I don't trust the, this Cavaliers team. Toronto could end up going seven games with Washington. I mean, why Philadelphia has as good a chance as anybody? No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if if this is a realistic barometer, and Philadelphia does manage to be as good as they showed against Miami when they face whatever whatever other competition they do in the Eastern Conference, whether it's Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Cleveland, whomever, then. I could see them matching up. They do have the size. They have the length. They have the shooting. They have the ability to draw fouls at a high level. They can get to the rim. I mean, they they didn't get great performances from, you know, a guy like Robert Covington, who we expected to be an X-Factor. Dario Saric, who has been so spectacular for most of the series, only managed eight points in Game 5. It didn't really matter. They got... They didn't even get a huge night from Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, he finished with 19 points, like a good night. But the the, the difference was JJ Redick. Go figure. So, another big night for Redick. And uh, yeah, we just we went we went into this in, into this series talking about how Miami's advantage and Philadelphia's disadvantage comparatively was Miami's experience and and yeah. Philadelphia's lack thereof. Matter. 
Yeah, and they and that and they proved that that did not matter. And we we well, going into the series, we talked about this was probably the worst first round opponent for Philadelphia, given that just being that Miami has had so many players that have been here in this playoff situation, and that really only kind of came to a head in game two, and that was about it. Um, so Philadelphia, having gone through that. They've gained a whole round of experience. They've gained a whole ton of confidence. I think that was evident from watching that team. I think I, I, at this point, I just they they could go as I think they can go as far as anybody in the East. Uh, but let's bring it back to Miami here. Before we move on with the show, we want to take a quick break and tell you about our Patreon page. You can find it by going to Patreon.com/lockedonheat, and we are humbly asking for people to commit to a monthly pledge to help us continue to improve the quality of the show. Thanks to you who have already supported the podcast. We have quickly reached our initial funding goal that allowed us to purchase software that improved the quality of the podcast. But we aren't just stopping there. We've added a new tier of supporters. For $5 a month, you'll get access to a bunch of goodies, including salary cap and depth chart projections, free agency player rankings by position, a running list of our favorite trade ideas, and whatever else we can think of. Just go to patreon.com slash locked on heat to get started. Again, that's patreon.com slash locked on heat. That's P A T. R-E-O-N dot com forward slash locked on heat. Specifically with Dwayne Wade's future, I know there, there there's a lot of questions out there about whether or not this is Dwayne Wade. That was Dwayne Wade's last game. If we've seen the last of Dwayne Wade in the NBA, he looked in this game. He looked tired uh, on a few different plays. He didn't get back on defense on a couple plays. He got blown by defensively um, on a couple of others. Uh, offensively was settling for shots a little bit. He just one another again one of those guys who looked tired. But that that said, I do think he was probably Miami's best player from the beginning to the end of this series. And I I think he's got another year left in him if he really wanted to do it. But do you think he want? Do you think Dwayne Wade is going to retire this summer? I do, I do. I think um, it was kind of a magical comeback for him to Miami. The way it all worked out, having signed in Cleveland and then getting traded midway through the year, being able to be the impactful player, the buzz that he generated upon his return, the fact that he led to a couple game winners and had an impact, the fact that he was able to make an impact in the playoffs. Uh, you know, even though they exited earlier than he probably would have liked or the rest of the team did like, uh, you know, I still think that his overall impact was a positive one and he started to show maturity and mentorship that I don't know that he ever had at any point in his career, uh, much less in his earlier Heat tenure. So I think this was probably the best elder statesman version of Wade that we could possibly get. And then the grind of having to face another regular season, of going through training camp, of, of staying in shape over the summer, and not just good enough shape to play in Cleveland or Chicago as he did over the last two summers, but to play at a high level at almost 37 years old. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a whole another, a whole year of no more pancakes again. Yeah, that's tough for anybody. I, I haven't had a pancake in a month, and I'm starting to get, you know, I'm getting uh, pretty angry over here. Um, but uh, I don't know if it'll. I don't know. I, I, I'm. I think he's got one more. I, I just I have a feeling I mean, I know that he he's can got one do more. It. I just don't you know think what? he's going to. I, no, I think he could too. I, you know what? I he was on Instagram the other day, and I saw him golfing with his son. Oh, forget he's and I was just like, "There's no way he's coming back. There's no way." And I'm like, "And good for him. Go play golf with your son. Like, oh yeah, no doubt. Go he's done enough. I mean, go, what's he got to prove at this point? Nothing. I think that game two is. 
I really I want him to come back. Obviously, I I, sure. I just I don't know if I am emotionally ready to accept that he'll be gone. You know, no. it's it kind of sucks that we had to do this two years ago, and now we have to almost do it again. But yeah, I'll, uh, I'll offer this caveat to who somehow Pat Riley is able to transform this roster and lure uh, or attract a superstar somehow, make the right move to build his team into a legitimate contender, then he'll return. Well, but to go through the same grind, I don't think that's realistic. That's a really good point. Wade can decide at any point. He's only going to sign for the minimum. That's only The, the only thing Miami could afford, literally, is signing yeah. him to the minimum. Maybe a tiny bit of the mid-level or something like that. But they're essentially, uh, they can sign him for the minimum. He could just wait the entire offseason. I mean, one thing we do know about Dwayne Wade is that he's going to continue to work out and keep his body in shape, at least for the next few years, I think, just because of it just seems to be in his nature. Him and LeBron and that whole crew tend to just, they, that's part of their lifestyle at this point. So he'll yeah. be in playing shape. Uh, I think that, the, that that's a really good point. You may, he could just wait this whole thing out until the middle of training camp. I mean, he could literally just wait this out until the very end and see what it is that Pat Riley does. I think that's gonna, that, that's going to play a major factor in his decision making let's go let's talk about that because what does pat rally do at this point the heat are capped out they they experimented with this roster they brought back james johnson you re-signed Dion waiters um in past years you brought back a son white and tyler johnson guys that you found uh out of nowhere and developed within internally and and you you know you've traded first round draft picks for goran dragic i mean this is this team is i mean Riley gave up all the assets and gave up all the money to put this team together. But they've proven this season and last season too, it's the same roster essentially, this is a middling team. It's a fine team that at best is a first-round exit. We, I don't think Riley's going to be happy with that. Where, where do you think Riley goes with this? I mean, obviously he's going to try to rebuild it. If there's anybody on this roster that you're looking at, is, let's start here. Is anybody on this team untouchable? No. Uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, you could make a case for Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow, but the reality is uh, that hasn't been the case. Um, you know, in the past for Pat Riley, you look at, think about what happened in 2004 when, you know, Lamar Odom, a guy who was very emotional and had, had, had been so happy about his signing with Miami, showed such promise and wound up playing such a big career later on with the Los Angeles Lakers. But in his, his one season with Miami, I mean, he felt like he was happy here. He had grown uh, professionally and personally and really evolved into a versatile playmaker, etc. Uh, and he was promptly traded for a superstar in Shaquille O'Neal. So I think Pat Riley will make whatever move he has to in order to build a, a legitimate contender. Now, the thing is whether or not he's willing to do so. Whether he's willing to do so isn't the question. I think he certainly can. Uh, he's certainly willing. It's just whether or not he can. Uh, right. And at this point, at his age, I, I mean... He's he's talked about before that he doesn't want to keep going through this process over and over again, but he hasn't necessarily set this team up to be a legitimate contender either. That's what that was his goal upon before retiring. But as we learned from that piece from ESPN, I want to say last season, you know, Riley keeps putting off retirement year after year. Maybe he just doesn't really want to retire and he's just gonna stick around for as long as it takes to build a contender, whether it's this year or next. This team has 153 million. I mean, Riley has 153 million dollars committed to this team. Um, they don't have a draft pick in 2018. They're capped at. They're beyond. They're above the cap. Um, all they're going to really have is a five million dollar ish mid level exception, and that's really not enough to take a team from you know 
a ge- getting gentlemanly, gentlemanly swept out of the first round to a contender. I mean, that's not enough, right? So um, I look at guys like, you know, there's a lot of talk, Trey Tyler Johnson, right? Tyler Johnson, again, did not show up in this postseason. Um, that's even clearing his $19 million uh, hit next isn't going to be enough to get Miami under the cap. I mean, even if you trade Tyler Johnson, you don't create $19 million of cap space. You are Right now, Miami is over the cap. Trading Tyler Johnson would get them closer to the cap, but they would still be a cent- they would have minimal cap space, no- nothing significant enough. It would take a second move, so they'd have to trade Tyler Johnson. But how do you do that? How do you move a guy like Whiteside? We've talked about moving Whiteside for two years now. How do you move? I mean, go. Jackie McMullen uh, wrote at some point um, when uh, about the fact that the Heat tried to trade Whiteside last summer and they couldn't find a suitor. He, he, Zach Lowe this week wrote. That Zach Lowe, go, I'll, I'll backtrack, Zach Lowe going into the season thought that a wide side for DeMarcus Cousins swap would be fair. And even with C- Cousins having torn his Achilles, he still says that there's no way that that happens. Whiteside has based, his trade value has plummeted. There is no trade value there. Now, again, Jackson, it only takes... Barry Jackson, by the way, sorry, Barry Jackson reporting to your point. Hassan again makes it clear he is unhappy about playing time. Plans to talk to Heat officials about his future. So There you go. Perfectly timed. Played ten minutes in Game Five, and and those ten minutes were a, a donation. <laughs> I was gonna say a donation by the coaching staff, and disastrous. Um, I, I, but I, look, it takes one team to say we'll take him. Um, I don't think that his, his salary is as bad as people say. Like he's only got two more years left on that deal. Next year's guaranteed. The year after that, 2019-2020, is a player option that he will definitely take. It's worth twenty seven million dollars. I mean, he's not not going to take that. So. Uh, but it's still only two more years, and for the Heat, that doesn't make sense because you're trying to make cap space, create cap space to p- try to go get a new superstar. But maybe there's a team out there that's willing to take Whiteside. Um, cough, cough, Sacramento Kings, talking to you guys. <laughs> um, but beyond that, maybe you can package. And Barry Jackson did wrote this in a piece that he published right after the game. If Kawhi Leonard is an option, he, he says call up. R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich and just say, take your pick. Any two guys you want, we'll start there. And and then we'll sweeten the deal from there if we need to. And I think that's, they got to do that with for Kawhi. I don't think that there's any doubt about that. But what about what about a guy like John Wall, who is looking good in this first round series against Toronto? Yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of talked about this, I think, when we addressed it in a mailbag that I'm not sure I saw the kind of attitude from Wall when he was injured and maybe even immediately upon his return that kind of makes him feel like a good fit here. Like if you're able to trade away Whiteside specifically because, you know, not necessarily because of a talent drop-off or anything like that, but maybe because his attitude doesn't necessarily fit with this team's culture, a guy like Wall might not be a good fit either. So, I I mean, I'm kind of hesitant to say he's the kind of guy that you want to build around, to be honest with you. Mm. He has shown some promise. He has shown some talent. Obviously, over the course of his career, he's looked pretty good in the playoffs. Um, Much more explosive than I expected him to be. He lost a lot of weight while he was hurt. So, he's returned to playing shape and then some. Um, He's certainly an all-star and a superstar-type talent. I just, I don't know. I, I don't feel quite comfortable making him the centerpiece of this team. And whether or not this is, I mean, are, is Washington as good as they are because of John Wall, or is it because of other players like Bradley Beal, et cetera, kind of stepping up and playing at a high level? 
The playoffs are here, and just like the Miami Heat, it's time to step up your game. If you run a company and you're unhappy with the results from traditional advertising online or in print, make a big-time adjustment by advertising with us here on Locked on Heat. We've already got national brands advertising on the show, but it's also a great opportunity for South Florida businesses to connect with local Heat fans. You've heard about the studies already, how podcast listeners are 65% more likely to engage with advertisers, and how the number of people listening to podcasts continue to grow every year, heck, every month. Be ahead of the curve and start advertising on a podcast with us here at Locked on Heat. You have nothing to lose by reaching out, and our rates are reasonable, and they're based on the number of listens, so it's an efficient use of your time and your money. For more information on Next Steps, email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. That's LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, and we could be talking about your company right here on the show. I wonder if the Heat could get more out of John Wall because the big not like one he can run a, a killer pick and roll. Uh, he could score in the lane. Um, in way he is a lot like Goran Dragic, but kind of just better. More explosive though, yeah. More explosive. I mean, where Dragic is kind of a seventeen and seven guy, you know. I feel like Wall is a is a more of a twenty three and nine kind of guy. Um, so it's just a little bit more production, a little bit more star power and oomph. A guy who could sort of take over that. The, the knock against him this this year has been that basically when he doesn't have the ball, he's completely useless, and he's a non-shooter, so he doesn't space the floor. And Goran Dragic is a better floor spacer, and he's more willing to do stuff off the ball. And you look at how Miami's offense runs, and it requires people doing stuff off the ball. Wall doesn't do that. You wonder if he gets into Spoh's system. If one, if one, he would start doing stuff off the ball. Maybe he's just not being asked to do that from Scott Brooks, who we know isn't the most creative offensive coach. Um, or if... The the other option is that Spolster just completely recreates his offense around John what John Wall does well, which as we see from you know I'm not comparing Wall to James Harden, but from Houston's perspective, they like to run a lot of ISOs on pick and roll. That in in Miami did it last year, a lot of drive and kick stuff that Wall is good at. So maybe you know a roundabout way of saying yeah, maybe it'll work. I mean, what if I'm just going to throw this out here for fun? I, I, I because all we're doing is speculating. Um. What if they trade Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow for Kawhi Leonard, and then they trade Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside for John Wall and Marcin Gortat? So you get Leonard Wall, and then and whatever Gortat. else. Yeah. Leonard Wall, Gortat, and James Johnson and Deion Waiters. I mean, that's, I guess Miami's ceiling would be higher. Um, there's not going to be. It's not going to be a seamless transition. Obviously, you're going to have to get. A lot of guys to learn how to adjust and play on the same page, and obviously, um, you know Miami's capable, and, and Spolstra, is, I think, is is as qualified as any coach of trying to get guys to to play together and, and, and work together as a cohesive unit. So it could work. I'm I'm not in love with the idea at this point. I don't know. Okay. I like to see. Would like, you rather just have Kawhi? <sighs> what are you trading for Kawhi? It's it has to be Winslow and Richardson. I just don't need to see another way. I mean, maybe they want. Goran Dragic, like maybe you start somewhere with like Dragic and Winslow, or Dragic and Richardson, depending on who the Spurs prefer. Um, but let's let's start taking some Twitter questions because we're going to get into all this stuff. Von Thomas tweets: Do the Heat have a realistic path to adding a star caliber talent in the next two years? Hmm. So that's extending the time. So Miami has a couple different ways as far as paths go. They could bunch up a bunch of pretty good players. And, and package some pretty good players to get one really good player, which could happen. That's typically how superstars are moved. We've seen that happen across the league last summer. It just depends on the right team and the right player being disgruntled with their situation. 
Um, and then the other option is trade everybody for pennies ju- for the hopes of clearing up cap space, not this summer, but the summer after that when there's a bunch of guys who are free agents. I actually kind of, I Riley's obviously going to try the first one. I almost think that the second one is more realistic. Okay, what, what's lay it out for me again? I'm sorry. Well, if if the Heat if the Heat can't package together a bunch of guys, a bunch of these pretty good players, and land right. a superstar, right? If they can't pull what the Thunder did for Paul George, right? If they can't do something like that, then or what the Rockets did for Chris Paul, then their other option after the backup plan, Plan B, might be to just trade these guys for nothing, right? Trade these guys for second round draft picks or whatever it takes in in just only to clear cap space for 2019 right come on try to come off the tyler johnson contract as difficult as it might be mm-hmm. come off of the white side deal come off of james johnson come off of Dion. maybe even come off of a guy like kelly olenek who i think right now is a priority for miami to keep if they can but trading yeah. guys with the big dollars maybe even a guy like goran dragic even i mean in hopes again of and this would be a process between the summer and the trade deadline, but clearing cap space not for this summer, not for 2018, but for 2019 when there's a bunch of guys who are free agents. So you'd have to prolong that build a couple of years and kind of tank next year. Yeah, I mean that that I'm I'm loath to say that that's an option, but it certainly does feel like it. Um, you know, it, it it's hard to kind of understand, and I'm sure we'll get some clarification. Once Riley does issue his end of season presser regarding the mindset, uh, whether yeah. or not Riley thinks this team is capable of becoming a contender, whether or not he wants to build a contender, uh, and if if he thinks it's just a, a piece or two away, which might not be realistic, then he probably goes that first route that you projected. If he wants to build a, a, a long term contending team. Then he's going to have to make the take that second route and 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 make it a slower process. It's it's um, I just don't know because I feel like the only time he's ever done that over the course of his twenty one seasons with Miami, twenty twenty two seasons with Miami, was in two thousand eight through ten, knowing that mm-hmm. he was kind of clearing this cap space specifically for the summer of two thousand ten and and the luring of the big three. And I don't know that he sees that on the market in 2019. Who, what kind of players are available in 2019 that he's willing to kind of take these short-term deals and and see if maybe he can clear cap space that way. That's the other option too, right? Is that he might he could trade junk for junk, like you know a, a four-year deal for Olenek for you know well Olenek will have three years left on his on his deal after this. Yeah, you know th- those three years for. Maybe a year or two left of some other player who right. might be getting paid a little bit more or something like that. Well, yeah, and that and they would and then the Heat would suck, and that would be <laughs> the idea, right? Is that they well, would it'd just, be mediocre, but it's just a different kind of mediocrity, you know? Like, well, I like think the, the, those yeah. teams in two thousand eight through two thousand ten were mediocre, but they were carried by Dwayne Wade's individual greatness. They had Wade playing at his peak when he was an MVP candidate, and then they had guys like Sean Marion, who wasn't very good at that point, and uh, you know Jermaine O'Neal, who also wasn't very good. And they had you know a couple of other players that I'm trying, I'm struggling to remember what that starting lineup was, but it wasn't a particularly good one. Was that the the Ricky Davis era? It might have been, right? Yeah, the late yeah, um, but. To answer your question, see who else has got a player option for 2019. I'm looking it up. Looking it up. Um, 
Oh, it's on Whiteside. Harrison Barnes, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler. Um, I'm just going down the list here. Chris Middleton. Mm. Um, yeah, those are the big names, right? So it's not – those are good players. Those are good players that are going to have player options. Um, Al Horford. I'm not sure if I said Al Horford. Uh, yeah, Marcus Gasol, who's already washed. So, uh, Goran Dragic. Um, that, those are the guys. So, I think in, if the Heat – I'll say this again. Option A, plan A, bunch of, uh, package some of these pretty good players in the hopes of landing one very good player. Right? Whatever that package might be, that is going to be plan A. And I think Riley is going to try to hold on to guys like Richardson and Winslow – but he would be willing to trade them for the right player, a.k.a. Kawhi Leonard, right? That's plan A. Yeah. Yeah. If plan A doesn't work, plan B I do think is a one-year tank. I really do. I think it is, the fa- it is in a weird way the fastest route to getting a contending team. You do a one-year tank. Now that my, right, Miami made the playoffs, so their 2018 pick goes to Phoenix. They've got their 2019 pick now. You can have a one-year tank, end up in the lottery, Take a good player, and then you'll have a lottery pick, maybe like a top five. Like, if you're going to tank, tank, and end up with a top seven pick in the in the 2019 draft, you've got that to either use on a player or to move in a, in a deal. And, be, and, and in order to tank effectively, you basically trade everybody on this roster for spare parts and pennies and just future draft picks um, that may or may not convey, even. And you just And you just clear the decks. I mean, things that we saw, like... In 20, right before 2010, right when when he was preparing for LeBron and Bosh and Wade, I mean that offseason he traded Beasley for nothing, right? You're almost you, you do that ahead of time to a one year tank and then restock. I think that is what's in the cards, and I really I don't think it would be bad. I really don't. I, I that is the best. That's the second best option there is for this Heat team. I just, I don't think you can go into next season with this team again. We've seen it for two years. It's this is what they are. Let me let me offer a, a conflicting point of view. Okay. What if what if this is the team that we can? What is? Can you rally behind this team? Because I I feel like I can. I think the biggest problem for me was, okay, it's it's tough to accept the potential mediocrity of this team that they might not be very great or capable of greatness, but I feel like this team might have been one strong Hassan Whiteside performance or series of Whiteside performances away from being potentially very good in this series. Like, they could have made it a more interesting, difficult, challenging series for Philadelphia. And I think the biggest problem with that probably was Whiteside. And if that's the case, if, if all it takes is getting great, you know, or better performances out of Whiteside in order to raise this team's ceiling, because you can get continued growth out of Josh Richardson and, and Justice Winslow and Kelly Olenek can play at a high level. Maybe this is a team that you can continue to, to you know, accept as your team. I, I mean, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's not a title contender. Well, um, let me, what if, on the same side, what if all it takes is, is moving Hassan Whiteside and then you sort of clear the decks for Bam, Justice, and Josh, and if you can get enough of a leap from those three... Maybe that does raise Miami's ceiling enough. Now it does it, it, and now we get to this whole other question: What is the goal here? I don't think the, there is no way that this team, as constructed, even with internal development over the next two years from those those three guys, uh, becomes a championship contender. Right? There's no way. But they could get they could get 
better. Like they could, but how much better? Like that's the that's what that you have to ask yourself. If we trade, if we just trade Whiteside for nothing or whatever, whatever it takes to get rid of him, we just shove him out the door. Can we get enough growth from Richardson, from Winslow, from Tyler? Even if they can't move him, from Bam, from Kelly Olynyk, who's still relatively young. How many more good years does Goran Dragic have? Which is a major question that they're going to have to ask themselves. Dude, How wait. much better can this team be? Like next year? I mean, five to seven wins better. I do, I don't know that it's that much more. I don't. I'm having a hard time, especially like right in the on the cusp of of Miami's loss, trying to figure out what the goal is for this team or or what, whether or not it should be better to build for a contender or to tear it down. I I mean it's. You know, we're, we're kind of spoiled. I've, I've talked about this before. I feel like Miami fans are, are kind of spoiled because of the success that we had during the Big Three era. But there are teams that would kill for Miami's success over the last four years. I mean, when you think about the fact that they've been to the playoffs twice and were one half game away from advancing last year, this is not a bad team, and this is a team that's significantly better than those groups that you saw in Minnesota, uh, that, that you've seen in Orlando, that you've seen in Phoenix, in Sacramento, and heck, that you've seen in Philadelphia over the last six seasons. I mean, yeah. the fact that it's finally kind of coalesced now, and that they could be legitimate contenders. I don't see my I don't see Miami and this front office as they're currently organized tearing this team down in the hopes of building a contender in three, four seasons. Like this is But not, what if you could build it but if you could tear it down and build a contender in one season? Like that's if you can just come I'm talking like tearing it down. Like completely tearing it down. And it might take moving Winslow or Richardson, attaching one of those guys to a Tyler Johnson or an Hassan Whiteside to move that deal. You're, you're banking on being able to lure free agents in 2019. Yes, yes. And, and which is in Pat and Ben Pat Riley's entire strategy his whole time. But but there's always been something already in place to lure them here, not just you know a promise that you can get them there. I don't know that you can sell heat culture when you have a bunch of scrubs on this team. You know, in 2010, Dwayne Wade was still here. In 2005, Dwayne Wade. Mm. In 2000, yeah, 2004, Dwayne Wade was here. So maybe then 2019, right? They've this this offseason. They've got to make a move. I mean, they need to find their Kyrie Irving. They need to find their their guy who they view as somebody that other players want to play with, right? Yes. Yes. And that's going to be huge. And that's a really good point. All right, let's end part one right there. Part two will be up tomorrow morning. Uh, that one gets interesting. David and I answer a bunch of your listener questions uh, that you guys submitted on Twitter and then on Facebook Live. Uh, And David and I, we get into a disagreement about how the Heat should go forward about building this team. So um, thanks for listening uh, to part one. Part two will be up tomorrow. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.